Healing, strengthening, and absolving, setting captive sinners free. Holy Spirit, ever binding, age to age and soul to soul, in communion never ending, you we worship and extol. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God upon which we base our message this evening is the second reading for the seventh Sunday after Pentecost, found recorded in Romans chapter 8. You heard it read before, I recall just these words. We groan as we eagerly wait for our adoption, the freeing of our bodies from sin. All creation has been groaning with the pains of childbirth up to the present time. The Spirit intercedes along with our groans that cannot be expressed in words. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, my beloved. Oh, Pastor, you have such a cushy, cushy job because you only work one day a week. Oh, we pastors have heard that uh, more than one time in our ministry. So I'm reminded of uh, back when I was in the, the seminary learning how to formulate a sermon that one of our professors says, uh, you better spend at least one hour on your sermon for every minute that you're going to be in the pulpit. So that means if you're going to preach a 15-minute sermon, that would be 15 hours, or a 20-minute sermon, that would be 20 hours. I think that most pastors would say that the most challenging thing that they do each week is to formulate and write their message. One of my uh, seminary professors, who I also had the very distinct privilege of, he was my um, pastor who confirmed me, and then eight years after that, I had him for my seminary professor. And he described the weekly progression of sermon thoughts as uh, sort of like being pregnant because it's a long and uncomfortable process. If you talk to my wife throughout the years, she will say um, she would find me jumping out of bed at midnight or 2 o'clock in the morning, and she, she said, got a sermon thought? I said, yeah. Professor said it's sort of like being pregnant. It's a long and often uncomfortable process. So he told his wife, you know, getting ready to preach a sermon is just like being pregnant. And his wife said, how would you know? Have you ever been pregnant? He said, no. Have you ever written a sermon? The words of St. Paul before us this evening are the basis uh, uh, for our uh, learning. Uh, St. Paul uses the il illustration of pregnancy. In fact, his exact illustration is of labor pains and childbirth. I think you know that as I stand here that I never gave birth to a baby. But I did, uh, I was in the labor and delivery room for three out of the four of our children. Couldn't be the, uh, with the fourth one because uh, my wife was having some serious problems. 
And uh, even though they try to prepare you um, with certain breathing exercises, if I read the expression on my wife's face every time uh, she was in labor, I read that on her face that she was in pain. And St. Paul gets very explicit with his words, and he refers that, uh, to the fact that during labor, because of the pain, sometimes a woman might be moved to groan, if not outwardly, maybe inwardly. Through the disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve, sin entered the world, and along with sin, the consequences of sin. And one of the consequences of sin was bodily suffering. The painful suffering causes us sometimes to groan. And that's what we want to take a look at today, real groans. St. Paul talks about three different kinds of groaning. We groan, and all creation groans, and yes, even the Holy Spirit groans. Suffering, really, St. Paul says, is not a completely bad thing. In Romans chapter 5, he says, We also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. Suffering is sort of like God's chisel. He uses to shape us into beautiful building blocks that ultimately will be formed together in his wonderful temple in heaven. Suffering is not a bad thing, but it does hurt. The encouragement in St. Paul's letter uh, to the Romans in chapter 8 here is, is that during the midst of our suffering, we should be patient. Because just as in childbirth, labor pains are really short-lived in the big scheme of things, and then everything turns into joy and wonderment at the birth of a baby. Despite some of the old and new religions of the world that tell us that sickness and suffering is just a figment of your imagination, because this world really doesn't exist. It's all just sort of a state of mind. In reality, this world is real. What we see, feel, and touch is God's creation, and it is reality. God created everything that you see. And once upon a time, it was all perfect. But because of Adam and Eve's sin, one of the results was suffering physical suffering. And that's really what St. Paul is talking about in these words is bodily suffering as a result of sin. And that might be physical suffering, mental suffering, or emotional suffering. Now, during my ministry, I've dealt with a lot of suffering, not always my own, but members that I have visited I know that there is suffering in the world because I have visited hospitals and rehab centers and cancer centers and mental health care hospitals. And when I walked through the halls all those years, I saw sound signs like neurology, oncology, dermatology, cardiology, physio 
psychiatry, orthopedic and renal disease and radiology, all evidences of suffering around us. And the one that always broke my heart the most is when I had to go to children's hospital and see the suffering there. People are suffering. You and I are suffering, physically, mentally, emotionally. And I know just by looking out at you, every one of us has some kind of ailment. We all have them, but St. Paul says you are not alone. In the midst of it, St. Paul says, hang in there. You can be patient. And he goes on to use an unusual illustration. He says, you know, it's really not worth it. But if you were to place our present sufferings in a scale balance with sufferings on one side and heaven on the other, you would say that the assets far outweigh the liabilities. Our suffering, as big as it may seem, pales into insignificance when compared to the glories of heaven that will be ours one day. And so it is that living life is sort of like being in labor. But labor doesn't last. And finally there is relief and great joy because a child is born and then all of the pain is forgotten. St. Paul tells us that we will be released from our pain and suffering and it's guaranteed even as we are groaning inwardly. St. Paul says, God gives us his spirit as the first of God's gifts. I don't know if you can remember back to the Old Testament, but God told uh, the people to tithe and give a tenth of their offerings. But he also said, I want you to bring the first and the best gifts of your harvest, of your herds. The first and the best as a sign of love to me. It's kind of interesting. St. Paul reverses the illustration, and he says that God gives us his first and his best, his own spirit, to bring us to faith and to make us his own children so that we are guaranteed right now of forgiveness and, and love for our souls. But God also gives us through his Holy Spirit the guarantee of eternal life and, and uh, freedom from suffering for our bodies. One day, our bodies are going to be like Jesus, the Bible says, but our citizenship is in heaven as we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Finally, in heaven, no braces, no crutches, no wheelchairs, no pills, no hospital beds. How great it will be for us finally to get there so that we can go running around like 18 or 20-year-olds once again. And that's exactly what it will be like forever. Exercise in your favorite sport, low impact, High impact, you'll never get tired for all eternity. Our release from bodily groaning is guaranteed. But these words, these words, St. Paul also reminds us, not only are we groaning, 
he personifies our planet Earth and says that all creation is groaning. All creation is eagerly waiting for God to reveal who his children are. We know that all creation has been groaning with the pains of childbirth to the present time. When Adam and Eve fell into sin, the whole world was affected. It says God subjected it. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat plants of the field. Since the fall into sin, all the world, the whole creation is groaning. I mean, even take a look at it. Uh, in the world, we have all these animal diseases. There were no veterinarians before the fall into sin. My brother would be out of a job. Extinction of species, natural disasters, tsunamis, earthquakes, volcanoes, hurricanes, tornadoes, hailstorms, flooding, viruses. St. Paul says, as you look around the world, it's almost as if all of creation is convulsing in pain. Even scientists tell us that the whole world is decaying. I don't remember it a whole lot, but I had to look it up for the sermon. The second law of thermodynamics tells us that all things are tending toward chaos or decay. The earth is running down. We are not in an evolutionary upswing. We are in a uh, devolutionary downswing. If let to go to its natural progression, our planet would die a cold, cold death. But of course, God's not going to let that happen. He'll bring it all to an end. And so God has told us to be good stewards of his creation. Take care of the planet, but make sure that you don't worship it. Because there are some that believe that this is our only place of existence. And they worship Mother Nature or Mother Earth. But ever since the fall, this place is not going to be our utopia. It's only temporary housing. St. Paul says that all of creation is eagerly waiting for God. Eagerly waiting. It's sort of like, too bad we can't have it this summer, it's sort of like if you ever go to a parade and there's some big dignitary coming and you try to stand on your tiptoes or maybe put your kids on your back to see when is he coming, when is he coming. All creation is waiting to be released from decay. God promised us a, a new heaven and a new earth, and what a mystery that's going to be. A new heaven and a new earth. And I don't know how we're going to get it. If God's going to destroy the whole place and rebuild it, or if he's just going to purge it with fire, whatever it is, it's going to be pristine, pristine once again. Imagine your favorite, most wonderful vacation spot. Heaven will be a million times better than that. Until then, I groan, you groan, all of creation groans. And St. Paul says, even the Holy Spirit groans. How can that be? 
I have visited members in the hospital who are in such extreme pain that all they can do is groan and they say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? Because I can't think. In the same way, St. Paul says, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness and brings our groans as beautiful prayers to the Heavenly Father. So many times in our difficulties, we really don't know what to pray for. God, help me. God, make me better. God, take me to heaven. What kind of a prayer is pleasing to God? We never have to worry because even during those times in our life where we groan, the Holy Spirit carries our words to as wonderful, beautiful prayers to God. St. Paul even tells us how that is, because the Father knows what's in your heart, and the Holy Spirit knows what's pleasing to his Father. So the Father, already knowing what's in your heart, even your groanings will be carried by the Holy Spirit as a beautiful prayer to our Father's ears. And so, because of the realities of sin, we are all suffering here on earth. Earth can offer us no lasting happiness. It cannot deliver what we really need and what we really want, and that's relief, complete relief from all of our problems. But our gracious God has promised us a new heaven and a new earth. No groanings. All the groanings will end. Only laughter and joy. Earth will no longer groan. It'll be a new, beautiful place for all eternity. And certainly the Holy Spirit will not have to groan because we won't be groaning anymore. Real groaning, replaced by glory and freedom of the redemption of our bodies, complete adoption as beautiful sons and daughters in our heavenly home. So St. Paul encourages us, have patience. The groaning is almost over. We await in eager expectation. Our Savior is near, and once again we say, Dear Lord Jesus, come quickly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate he suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory 
judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please be